Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. You know, uh, relational drama is uh, entertaining, I always say, as long as it's someone else's drama. So our oldest daughter, Jessica, is in her first full-time job teaching. And so this fall, she has been regaling us with uh, entertaining stories as she comes home at the end of the day. And we're sitting around the dinner table about things that are happening in her classroom. For example, what one example was um, one day, boy just got up, took off out of the classroom. So they're like, he's like running down the hall. And so she's left going, okay, what, what do I do with this? So we're sitting around the dinner table listening to this, and this is very entertaining. But for her in that moment, when she was in that classroom, she's going, okay, do I leave the 20 kids in the classroom and go running after him? What am I going to do if I find him? You know, all, all of that. So, you know, you, you may be in a, piece of drama right now there's there's drama going on in your life if you're in the middle of that it's stressful so it's not entertaining it might be entertaining to somebody else to hear about later after it gets resolved but for you it it is stressful and when we're in that moment the most natural thing for us to do is think about what that other person should be doing what their response should be in that situation and If we get fixated on what the other person should be doing, the problem with that is, of course, we can't control what the other person should be doing. And oftentimes, if we get fixated on the other person, we miss completely what I should be doing in the moment. And so this morning, what what we're going to be looking at in the, the text that we're looking at is Jesus talking about three relational dynamics that exist in, in all of our, our lives and some drama that enters into those dynamics. And I suspect that at least one of these is probably going on in your life right now. And the good news is Jesus is going to teach us what our response needs to be in each of these situations. So if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 17. That's where we're going to be this morning. I say this every now and then. Uh, one of the challenges of preaching verse by verse through a book of the Bible is that you can't skip anything. And so this passage this morning, so sometimes the challenge of a passage is the content. And, and sometimes it's like just difficult words that Jesus has to say to us. Other times it's context. And it's like, how does this fit with the things around it? That's the, that's the deal today. It's like, I, I kind of wrestled with, how does this all fit together? These, we're, we're gonna look at several different things Jesus is talking about. They seem a little bit disjointed. So I'm just gonna tell you, even as I studied and looked at what other people had to say about this, there was no real consensus on how this all fits together. So here's my, you're, you're gonna hear my thesis this morning of how I think all of this fits together. You may see it fitting together in a different way, and if so, then, you know, you know how to reach me. And so reach out. Let's let's talk about that. But uh, we're going to dig into it this morning and, and study it together and see what the Lord has has to say 
to us. And before we do that, I just want to pray that the Lord would just open our hearts to, to hear from him this morning. Father, we thank you that you are able to speak through your word far beyond any ability that I have or anybody else, any other human being has to communicate. Lord, I know that there, I know every person in this room and watching us online is coming this morning to this moment with burdens in our hearts, um, probably some relational drama going on that we're not quite sure what to do with. Lord, I thank you by faith. I, I believe that you have the ability to speak to each of our hearts at the point of our need. You, you have the ability to speak, and, and maybe uh, what, what's going on in each of our lives is even a different topic than any of the things we're looking at here this morning, but you're able to speak through your word to our hearts at the very point of our need. And so I just thank you for that by faith. Ask you to do that, Lord, in each of our lives this morning. May you draw us closer to the heart of Christ today as we as we study your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we, we know that Jesus spent a lot of time talking about relationships, talking about love, how to love each other. And that, that is because love for one another is at the core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So we'll, we'll get to Luke in a moment, but in John, in the book of John, thir- uh, chapter 13, Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples. Not, not by our beliefs, not even by um, just our behavior, but if you have love for one another. Every piece of behavior that we do should reflect the love of Christ in our hearts and through us. And so today, I, I think what we see, what we're going to see here in Luke chapter 17 is how, how to love in three different relational settings when drama rears its head. And so the first is, uh, the first relational setting is a person who looks up to me. So, so all of us have people in our lives that look up to us. It may be uh, a child in our family. It may be an employee that we manage. Uh, it may be someone that we're, we're coaching or mentoring, someone who looks up to us and that we influence. The second is a person who sins against me. That could be a child of ours. That could be an employee of ours. That could be someone we coach or mentor. That could be just about anybody, and it usually is. As we relate to people, they sin against us. The third is a person who governs me. So a person who is over me that I'm responsible to. An authority figure could be a boss, could be a parent. So how do we love in each of those settings when relational drama enters in? The first, we'll look at them one at a time. The first is to love the person who looks up to me. So starting in Luke 17, verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. So Jesus is talking here about little ones. Whenever he uses that phrase, little ones, he's, he's often talking about literal children, young people. Sometimes he's talking about spiritual children. And he, he says that temptations to sin will come to these little ones. 
If you're reading the, the English Standard Version with me, there's a footnote on temptations to sin that talks about stumbling blocks. That's the, the literal phrase in the Greek is stumbling blocks, things that people stumble over. And sometimes those stumbling blocks come to us through someone who influences us. Someone that we look up to, lets us down, or misleads us in a bad uh, direction. They are things that get in the way of our obedience to God. That's what a stumbling block is. Some of you will remember that Jesus said to Peter at one point, You are a stumbling block to me. And so Peter was not trying to get Jesus to sin morally, to break a moral command of God. He was influencing Jesus in a way that would lead to unbelief. And so that's what a stumbling block is. It's an influence towards unbelief. It's speaking or living in a way that uh, sways someone away from trusting God. And, and when someone, when we see someone stumble in life, when we see someone make a mistake, especially if it's someone that is looking up to us, sometimes we put that all on them. And Jesus is saying here, we need to look in the mirror because sometimes we as an influencer may be swaying them in a negative direction. And that's why he says in verse three, pay attention to yourselves. Uh, every week, just about every week, I, I spend some time uh, going to a cafe and working on the first draft of my message because I just like to be out uh, among people as I'm thinking about talking to you people. I want to be around real people doing that. And so this this Wednesday, I was, uh, I was at a cafe working that morning, and I thought, I want to put into practice, the Lord gave me an opportunity to put into practice something we talked about several weeks ago of, of sharing our faith. And I thought, I'm just, I'm going to, Strike up a conversation with this person that, that's here. And my, my opening line to him was, I said, I'm, I'm a pastor. And I said, I'm always curious to, to learn how people's perception of, of church and spirituality is. And so I said, do, do, do you mind if I ask you, um, are you involved in a church or, or in a congregation? And he said, no, like very clearly, very emphatically. And I said, well, do you mind telling me why that is? And he went on to, to describe his disillusionment with the church because of so much abuse that goes on. Turns out that he's a child welfare worker. So this is a, very dear to his heart. And, and to see people in the church abusing their authority and then covering that up, he said, that, that just really, really turns me off. And so we talked about that a little bit more. I, we, we kind of ended the conversation. I said, I, I, I hope that you won't let the, the mistakes of some people keep you from a relationship with God that I believe that he wants with you. But but that's an example of people who influence letting down the people underneath them and, and swaying them away from belief. And obviously that, that's a very obvious example. It's a very tragic example. But we should all, as Jesus says, pay attention to ourselves. How are you and I living our lives around people who are unbelievers or maybe very young in their faith? I mean, does our life reflect joy, peace, trust in our God in a way that would sway them towards belief? Or do we live our lives in a way that that communicates discouragement? Or, or unbelief in a way that might sway the people who 
to be discouraged from trusting in the Lord. Jesus calls us to vigilance in paying attention to ourselves, looking in the mirror. He says, pay attention to yourselves. The consequences of not doing that are are pretty gruesome. He said it would be better for someone who sways someone away from belief in God. It would be better for them to have a millstone hung around their neck. Millstones weigh a couple of hundred pounds. I mean, that is certain drowning. And so this is how seriously Jesus takes this. So for the people who look up to us, the people that we influence, we need to love them by walking in a way that urges others to faith and to trust in God. The second relational dynamic is to love the person who sins against me. The second half of verse 3 here, Jesus says, If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So this is Jesus' way of, of handling conflict. Jesus' way of handling conflict is not to ignore it and hope it will go away. And it's not to attack the other person and try to teach them a lesson. Jesus' approach to conflict is to rebuke the person. If somebody has sinned against you, we are to go to them and to rebuke them, to call them out, to call them up and say, this shouldn't be. I mean, that's hard to do. That's, That's hard because we don't know how the person is going to respond. We are to rebuke them for their good, not to just get it off your chest, but to bring them back into community. If they've sinned against you, they've disrupted community. And so we are to confront them on that. And then Jesus says to be quick to forgive them. He says, if he repents, forgive. Absolutely, we should forgive someone if they repent. We also see Jesus elsewhere talking about the fact that even if they don't repent... Because sometimes you'll rebuke someone and they'll just deny it or they will skirt, you know, they'll just try to ignore it, run off. And Jesus says, even if they don't repent, we are to forgive them. And earlier in the book of Luke, we looked at the Lord's Prayer, Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. In Luke eleven four, phrase says, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. We have to remember that forgiving another person is not based on whether they deserve forgiveness. Because they don't. They don't deserve to be forgiven. Forgiving the other person is based on the fact that we have been forgiven in a way that we do not deserve. And so we give what is not deserved because we have received what is not deserved. It was interesting. Several weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast on forgiveness. And this podcast was put out. Yeah, most of the time I listen to podcasts that are sermons or they're coming from a Christian point of view. But occasionally I will listen to one because I just want to know what, what people are thinking outside of my usual circle. And so this particular podcast I listen to sometimes is from a news source that is decidedly not a Christian perspective. It is, it's a very secular perspective. And so this secular news source was doing a podcast on forgiveness. So I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. I want to hear, you know, how, how do they approach this? I mean, how do you approach forgiveness apart from 
God and his forgiveness of us. So I was curious to listen to this. So started into the podcast. The interviewer, the, the host of the podcast, started interviewing a woman. And she said, right off the bat, she said, I'm going to be approaching this from a Christian point of view. I was like, wow, see, you can't get away from it. And so she's, she's talking about it from a Christian point of view. And she said, you know, I've been very influenced because I've grown up in the church. My faith is very important to me. And so I listened to them then talking about forgiveness, talking about forgiving in, you know, situations in life and even world events that are very deeply hurtful. And what I, what I heard over about like 45 minutes of listening to this podcast, never once was there a mention of how much we are forgiven by God. And I thought, what a, what a horrible thing to miss. And how, how is that really even a Christian perspective to ignore the fact that Christ has come to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can be forgiven? That, it just misses the whole heart of forgiveness. And it quite honestly, to my ears at least, felt very shallow in terms of you know, how do you really forgive when you're in a situation? And, and I'm sure every one of us could point to situations in our own life that's like so deeply hurtful. How do I let go of this unless I recognize that I have a God who has let go of things that I've done that I, by right, shouldn't be forgiven for? Paul talks about this in Ephesians 4. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, As God in Christ forgave you. See, what the world does is they leave off that last phrase. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. That sounds nice. But if you haven't experienced forgiveness yourself, how do you, how do you do that? As God in Christ forgave you. That's the basis of our forgiveness. And that's what Jesus calls us to here. And he calls us in verse four to forgive completely. When, when he says, if, if someone sins against you seven times, I mean, seven in, in scripture is the number of completion. And so if somebody sins against you seven times, that's, that means they sinned against you big time. I mean, that's huge. That's like all encompassing. They have rocked your world. So they've sinned against you seven times. And Jesus says, when they come and say, I repent, you, you forgive them. You forgive them. Every time. Now, I, I don't have time to get into the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation this morning, but there is a difference, okay? Because they don't always say, I repent. But we are always called to forgive. Forgiveness is unilateral. You don't need the other person to do anything. For reconciliation, to restore the relationship, you need the other person to recognize what they've done. You need to recognize what you've done to contribute to that. You need to come together and bring that before the Lord. So that doesn't always happen. We can't control that because that involves the other person. I said I didn't have time there. I just did it anyway. But all right. So we talked about loving the person who looks up to me, loving the person who sins against me. And so Jesus calling us to to love in this way, to forgive so completely. That is a tall order. And the, the disciples, that landed hard on them. So as we read on in verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. I mean, they said, Jesus, you're asking us to do something like really impossible here. They, they sensed that this was going to take more faith than they have. And so Jesus loves object lessons. 
he loves to paint vivid pictures. And so that's what he does in response to this. In verse 6, the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So here's the picture that Jesus is is painting here. Jesus refers multiple times to a mustard seed as the smallest seed. Mustard seed, very tiny. And he says, a mulberry tree, a mulberry tree can grow to be about 35 feet tall. So that's three stories tall. Big tree, even more significant than that, extensive root system. So to ask a mulberry tree to... Not just to ask, to, to try to uproot a mulberry tree is like impossible. And Jesus says all it takes is a grain of faith to say to a mulberry tree, to say to something impossible, move, and he says it, it will happen. It doesn't take great faith, Jesus says. It just takes faith in a great God. I mean, another way uh, to, to say that is that uh, a great God needs only a grain of faith to do what we, what we need him to do to change our, our hearts and to give us the faith to forgive for an, an impossible task. So what Jesus is telling us today is uh, a little faith fuels our response ability. So a little faith in all of these these situational dramas, these conflicts that we have, when, when we feel paralyzed, like we don't have what we need, Jesus says a little faith is all we need to fuel our response ability. So our ability to respond in the way that God is calling us to, which sometimes is impossible. Sometimes the task of forgiveness feels impossible. And Jesus says, sure, it's impossible for you, but if you have a grain of faith, that's all you need. One, one Greek scholar, I love their observation on the, the tense of this Greek verb. When it says, when Jesus says, be uprooted and planted in the sea, he said that the tense of this verb suggests it's like the idea that the tree is just waiting for you to tell it to be moved. Like it just, it's waiting to obey. Like it's on the edge. And, and it makes me think, how, how many times are you and I hurt in life and we miss the opportunity to forgive because we, we just don't ask the mulberry tree to be moved. We don't ask for the ability to respond with forgiveness. God is waiting to give that to us. And so our prayer can be, Father, I have this mulberry tree. It is deeply rooted. I need you to pick it up and plant it somewhere far away. So we love the person who looks up to us. We love the person who sins against us. And thirdly, we love the person who, who governs me. So in verse 7, Jesus says, will will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? 
So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. So I don't know about you. I mean, I I think we all kind of like to be appreciated for the work that we do. I mean, we like a pat on the back. We like some recognition. Once in a while, maybe it doesn't need it. Some of us need more more than others. But I think all of us need it at some point. And it is not, it's not wrong for us to expect God to reward us for serving him. Because Jesus said that he would. And he said that earlier in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 12, 37. Jesus said, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. And Jesus did this, we we know, at the Last Supper. I mean, Jesus got down, he washed his disciples' feet. This this is radical for us to think about. There's no other God. We sang earlier, there's, there's no other God like the God that we serve. There's no other God who serves his subjects. I mean, the gods call for the subjects to serve them. This is the kind of God... We serve, and so we, we know that about him. The problem comes when we start to believe that we're entitled to God to serve us or, or to recognize us or to reward us in, in some way. I mean, this is the way life works, and so it's kind of natural that we expect this. We, we, we work, we go to work, we earn a wage. That's not given to us as a gift, it's given us as something that we earn. And I, I think that many times this is why we have a mentality that, that we struggle with uh, earning our salvation by our works. We, we think that we need to earn our way into God's favor because that's, that's the way life works. And yet God's very clear that our salvation is given to us as a free gift. Grace is a free gift. And it's given to us so that no one can boast that they earned it. It's given as a gift. We're not entitled to it. And so Jesus reminds us here in this last paragraph that we're looking at this morning that we, we serve him because it's appropriate for a person to serve the person who governs them. The subjects of a kingdom, and we are subjects of his kingdom as he has brought us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the son that he loves. The subjects of the kingdom, it's appropriate for us to serve the king. And Jesus is the king. And so he says, we are unworthy servants. That that word unworthy just means there's no special recognition that we're entitled to because of what we've done. If I can, I'll just be personal and vulnerable with you guys for, for just a moment here. This, this verse is really meaningful to me because, uh, I mean, the last year and a half, two years, have been extra challenging um, as, as a pastor. And even, even now, like, there's still a lot of heaviness. And one, one example of that is just the whole, the whole mask thing. I mean, I thought a, a year and a half into this, we would be have figured out by now what we're doing with mass and everybody would be okay with whatever we're doing with mass. And that is just not the case. So we still have people on, on one end of the spectrum saying, 
we, we shouldn't have to wear masks. We shouldn't be told that we need to wear masks. We should be free to, to not have to do that. And at the same time, I've got people sending me emails saying, um, I think everybody should be wearing masks because it's just not safe if we don't do that. And so, you know, as a leadership team, we grapple and we wrestle with these things and we come up with this is before the Lord, what we believe is, is the best way to, to handle this given everything that we know, everything that we understand. We know it's not perfect, but in the, at the end of the day, can't make everybody happy. And, uh, so there was one Sunday, like a couple of months ago where that was kind of weighing on me. And there was a lot of other stuff that was going on, weighing on me. And I was coming in on a Sunday morning and, and if I can just be honest, I was just feeling really sorry for myself. Like here, I'm coming in and like these people are ungrateful and da, 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 da. And you know, I'm not getting enough pats on the back and this and that. And the Lord impressed this verse on my, on my heart. And this was before I had gotten to the point of really studying this verse and getting ready for this message. But the Lord just brought this to mind. So you also, when you've done all that you're commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done what was our duty. I'm not entitled to some special recognition. And, and I'm, I'm not sharing this with you so that you'll come pat me on the back. So please, please understand that at all. So please don't do that because you're going to take away the whole point of the message. But the, the point of it is, and this is true for you too, I'm sure, in some area of your life where you're serving and you feel like you're serving in a way that's just thankless. And it's like, who sees this? And and God, I'm doing this many times. Like, I'm doing this. I want to honor you with this. And I feel like this is harder than it should be. And it's not being recognized as it should be. And Jesus reminds us here the humility of saying it's it's really our privilege to serve him. And we're, we're really not worthy of some special prize or recognition. I mean, we live in a day and age where people get prizes for everything. People get prizes for just showing up, you know? And it's like, sometimes we feel like we should get that too. And Jesus says, no, just serve. Just be faithful. When when the person who governs you doesn't recognize you in the way that you feel like you should be recognized, that's okay. Keep serving anyway and love that person. Respect them Honor them by continuing to serve. Daryl Bach says, God rewards those who serve without thought of reward. God rewards those who serve without thought of reward. So three relational dynamics. Drama is inevitable in every one of them. Which one of those are you facing right now? Maybe someone who looks up to you, has stumbled in some way, and and your tendency is to put that on them and be disappointed in them, Jesus is saying, pay attention to yourself. Make sure that you're not influencing them in a direction away from faith. Someone has sinned against you. Confront them with that. Have a conversation with them. Let them know how what they did impacted you. Hopefully they will say, I'm sorry. Either way, we're called to forgive. And then maybe someone who governs you, someone who oversees you, someone who, whose authority you are under, 
maybe they, they aren't showing you the recognition, the appreciation that you feel like you deserve. Serve them anyway as a, as a servant that's not worthy of any special kind of recognition. You're just serving because it's the right thing to do and because God is ultimately worthy of our service. A little, a little faith fuels our response ability. So in any one of those situations, it can be very hard. We, we, we may not have it in us to just generate the right kind of response that Jesus is calling for. That's why a little faith, just a grain the size of a mustard seed, a grain of, of faith in a great God can fuel us and give us what we need. And I would just encourage us with, with that prayer. God, I'm, I'm bringing my grain of faith to a great God. And I'm trusting you, God, to make me able to respond in a way that pleases you. It's not asking him. I just want to make that distinction. Like, we're, I'm not asking you, God, to give me what I need. You've promised to do it. That's, that's, the, that's the difference of praying in faith. I'm trusting you, God, that you will give me the ability to respond in the way that you're calling me to. Let's pray and ask him for that. Father, we thank you that you are able to produce in us what we do not have on our own. And we think of the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, things that many times in many situations in our lives we don't have naturally on our own. But that's okay because your Spirit is in us to produce that fruit in us. And so, Lord, even in each of the situations, the the drama situations that we've talked about here today and many more besides that, Lord, we we need your help. We want to live in a manner worthy of you, God. We want to live in a manner that influences others to believe that there is something to following Christ. There is benefit to following Christ, and Christ is worthy to be followed. Lord, may you... You work in our lives and through our lives in such a way that we would draw others as, as a light in, in this dark world. We, we look to you. We trust you. We bring our, our grain of faith to you, our great God, and trust you to do something amazing with it. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.